We begin our study on the prayers of Jesus today, and I'm um, preaching on similar themes to what the lesson is that you'll uh, go over in your small group time. The lessons are from Mark and the prayers of Jesus in Mark, but the principles of that are found also in this passage from James. Um, I have ready for the screen and uh, in your bulletins, James 4, 1 through 10. However, I'm going to start at chapter 3, verse 17. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, please turn to James chapter 3, verse 17, and we'll look at wisdom. We'll look at the wisdom of the world, which God calls foolishness and even evil, and we'll look at the wisdom of God, which should direct us how we should go. James chapter 3, verse 13. I might have said 17, I meant 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And now moving into chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. As I have um, looked at and compared earthly wisdom and godly wisdom this week, I had the wonderful opportunity on Wednesday to hear about godly wisdom. It was at Gigi's funeral. Judy, your mom was an amazing person. And we heard a lot about that. Amen. And here's what amazed me. She didn't complain. She didn't criticize. She lifted people up every chance she got, even in the last few months as she was sick. And I want to tell you, I saw one of the most amazing, 
wonderful, glorious things I've ever seen on Wednesday. 15 great-grandkids standing up in front of the whole gathered group singing, Jesus loves me, and, see if I can do this, when we all get to heaven. What a witness. What a witness to a life lived by godly wisdom, a life lived in connection with God, a life lived with deep core value of introducing people to Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And it came out of this godly wisdom. What does James says godly wisdom comes from? What does it look like? It comes from acts of goodness with no selfishness. It comes from a desire to serve others. That was something else that really humbled me about Gigi's life. Helen served others. Her first thought was for the other, not for herself. As it says here, no selfish ambition, no envy, no bragging. And let's look at how earthly wisdom compares to that. If you think of people who believe that they are wise in this world, what's the first thing they do? Well, it's one of two things. Number one, they either tell you how wise they are, or more often than that, they will tell you how foolish everybody else is, right? If you, are, if you think you are wise by thinking you're better than others or smarter than others, if you, help, if you keep yourself feeling good about yourself and your ideas by putting down the ideas of others, James, by the power of the Holy Spirit, says, your wisdom is earthly. It is unspiritual. And it is demonic. What? A humbling thought. Isn't it? Isn't it just our nature to be sarcastic and critical of people who don't agree with us? Isn't it just our nature? Isn't it encouraged by our culture to, to say, well, my group is right and they're all evil or stupid or wrong or awful? James says the wisdom of God is peacemaking. That means it listens to other people. That means it tries to understand. It doesn't necessarily say, well, they must be right. It says they, there might be something right about what they have to say. And maybe instead of just stubbornly holding on to my opinions, I should listen. I should, above all things, work for peace and understanding, which means that I cannot just with a wide stroke put them all down criticizing them as a group. That is a mark of worldly wisdom. That is the type from verse 14 that boasts about their wisdom, supposed wisdom, and thereby denies the truth. In verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Now, how can James say something so strong about something that is so normal? So he's saying that when we're sarcastic and critical and 
we're being demonic? Yes. Because in creation, God created order out of chaos. In creation, God filled. In creation, God, and in redemption, God brings together. Now this does not mean, I'm not trying to say that everyone is saved, that everyone is um, a child of God, that everyone is connected with God through Jesus Christ, but I am saying that everyone bears within them the image of God. Everyone is valued by God. God desires, as Scripture says, that all would come to repentance. So God values every person. If we do not value every person, we do not have the mind of God, and we are creating division, and God in redeeming humanity and in working for the redemption of the whole universe is bringing together. The goal that God has for humanity is that those who are in Christ will all be together. There will be no more division, nothing that separates us. So if you carry ideas and attitudes of separation, your attitudes are unspiritual. And you're opening the door for the demonic to work through you. So what is godly wisdom? Godly wisdom is demonstrated by an attitude of love and of grace. It is, first of all, pure. It is peace-loving. It is considerate. And the word here that's translated submission actually means um, reasonable or yielding. In other words, it doesn't say, oh, I submit to everything everyone says, but I'm going to listen to what everyone says. I'm going to be reasonable about things, and I'm going to yield to others. As Paul said in Philippians 2, look for the needs of others, not for your own. I'm going to yield to the needs of other people. That is reflective of God and God's grace. Godly wisdom it's full of mercy and good fruit. It is impartial and sincere. All of this from verse 17 of chapter 3. Now, it's confession time. I asked Devin this morning, I said, Devin, I'm thinking of telling them this morning that I was a jerk this week. <laughs> do you think that's a good thing to do? And she said, well, a lot of them already know, so you might as well. <laughs> I was a jerk this week, and let me tell you why. Well, it goes back a couple weeks. Devin and I were in the car on the way to her parents to um, spend the night and then go to the airport and begin our wonderful vacation, which was wonderful on pretty much every measure except this one that I'll tell you about. I said to Devin... I need to make sure that while I'm away that I keep my relationship with God strong. And I said it, and she heard it, I heard it, but I didn't do it. 
I got caught up in enjoying a wonderful time. The leaves were beautiful. The scenery was wonderful. The company, of course, was great. I loved seeing different places, and we had a really good time. But through that really good time, I took my eyes off of God. I failed to keep cultivating my relationship with God, and when I got home, I was a jerk. I was told years ago in a sermon, and you know, I don't expect that 30 years from now you're going to remember an illustration I'd give you, but this one, at least 30 years ago, I heard this illustration of how we lose touch with God, and the pastor said, it's not like running out of gas, because when you run out of gas, it's immediate. You can't go anymore. You have failed to fill your tank, and like that, you're stopped. This is like losing your relationship with God or letting it lapse is like running out of oil. You can keep going. You can keep going for a while. Everything can seem normal. Your car can keep running, but there's little damage being done over a long period of time, and finally your car will seize up. That's what failing to maintain our relationship with God is like. We lose it over time. We don't realize the damage that's being done in our own hearts and then, sadly, in relationships with other people and our relationship with God. And it can get to the point where everything seizes up and there's nothing left. And I felt like on Monday morning that's where I was. Believe it or not, I didn't even like you on Monday morning. Worse than that, I didn't even like God on Monday morning. I didn't want, as, as um, Robin Mark said when he was talking about Psalm 139, he said, it says, where can I go from your spirit? And we say, oh, isn't that beautiful? But sometimes we say, where can I get away from you? And that's where I was Monday morning. I said, I don't appreciate this call you've placed on my life. I don't really appreciate anything. Let me start something new. And I didn't ask God to let me start something new. I wanted to do it all by myself. I tell you, it didn't take very long of interacting with you people, of getting back in touch with God, to realize that I really like you. I really like God, and I love the life God has given me. Devin and I, we we just are amazed over and over again what a wonderful fit this church is for us. What an act of grace it was for God to send us here, and how much we enjoy this community of faith and the community in which we live. When I, and my, one of my, 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 probably my life verse is Psalm 73, in Psalm 73, and I probably won't, when I was, yeah, when I thought like this, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. 
So I like Psalm 73 because it sort of parallels my life sometimes where the psalmist looks around, gets jealous of everybody else, just like it says in James chapter 4, verses one, verse 1, why are you upset? Because you're jealous. Why are you upset? Because you don't have what you think you want. And the psalmist looks around and says, I don't have what I want. I'm ticked off. I don't like that God doesn't give me what I want. And I look at these other people that don't care about God, and they have everything. Their lives are great. Everybody thinks they're awesome, and nobody thinks I'm awesome. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but in this, in this psalm, this is what happens. And the psalmist finally gets to the point where he says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, and my mind changed. Until I came before God and let God start setting my agenda and let God start showing me what's truly important, what's truly wonderful, what's truly praiseworthy. Uh, my mind was like a beast's. And that's the power of earthly wisdom. And earthly wisdom isn't something you have to pursue. Earthly wisdom isn't something you say, well, there's godly wisdom, I can pursue that, or earthly wisdom, I can pursue that. If you do not pursue godly wisdom, you are pursuing earthly wisdom. It will come at you from inside yourself. It will come at you from the, the world around you. There is one of the biggest characteristics of our culture is the cultivation of dissatisfaction, is it not? Now, you probably know I like HGTV. I like to watch those channels, the channel where they redo their kitchens and stuff. But it drives me crazy. They come into a kitchen that's five years old, 10 years old, and they say, oh, this is so outdated. I have to get a whole new kitchen. I'm going to spend $40,000 on a brand new kitchen. Now, when it's 40 years old, 50 years old, okay. Might be outdated. But people want the brand newest. People want to wear the newest clothes. They want to have the best of whatever because that is cultivated into you. And that, my friends, is just a piece of earthly wisdom. Because what causes the grief that is inside of us, verse one, they come from your desires that battle within you. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And the, um, the lessons you'll, you'll learn in the um, video presentation in the small group discussion is that it is a, an ongoing life of prayer that keeps us in the wisdom of God. It is an ongoing, like Jesus, the prayers of Jesus, what we're looking at today is that he continually went off by himself to pray. He continually cultivated his relationship with God. And that's what we must do. We have to continually cultivate our relationship with God or the wisdom of the world will take over our minds. And it is only when we cultivate our relationship with God that we can find satisfaction. It's not that next thing that brings satisfaction, no matter what the world around us says. It is a walk with God. It is humbling ourselves before God and knowing that God will lift us up in due time. And no matter how strong the voice of dissatisfaction is, 
like it was for me Monday morning. It is a lie. And when it is subjected to the light of God's truth, it disappears and becomes so unbelievable that you can't believe you ever believed it. It says, submit to God. And we say, submit. That word's just not cool anymore. Uh, James, do you want to think of another word? Not this James, this James. Um, And I want to help us understand what that word is. In the Greek, the word is, I don't do the Greek all the time, but here I'm going to do it, hupotasso. And hupo means to come under, and tasso means to lift up. So when it says submit, what it means, and this is true in the other places in the scripture where it says submit, it says to choose, not to be told, not to be made to be subservient, but to choose to look to the needs of others and to lift them up. And here it says to choose to put yourself under God's authority, which also includes God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's embrace, God's plan for you. And when you do, he will lift you up. And godly wisdom will fill your mind and your heart and you will see that God's ways truly are good. God's ways truly are better. God's ways are glorious. You were made to be in relationship with God. Your heart longs for it. Cultivate it. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different than normal as we uh, close out the service today. Um, I have discovered over the years a practice that is very meaningful to me, uh, the practice of silence. So, silence isn't always the easiest thing to do, especially real silence, because there's... um, There are voices in my head. (laughs) Yeah. And they don't shut up. And when you pray, isn't it true? Because you have voices in your head too. That you can't get those thoughts. You start being silent and thinking about, ah, I'm being silent before God now. I'm really being silent. I think I'm being silent now. Am I being silent enough? Is, that, is this silent enough? Am I, am I thinking anything? Oh, no, I'm thinking about being silent. Ah, oh, I messed up the whole thing. <laughs> this spiritual practice is, it doesn't happen right away, but I'm going to encourage you for a number of minutes just to be silent. And there's a big difference between... Um, meditation uh, in a transcendental way or or that kind of thing, Eastern meditation, and uh, when we are silent before God. Both are the idea of emptying our minds. But those who know God through Jesus Christ ask God to fill our minds. It's not emptying for the sake of emptying. It's emptying for the sake of God filling. So for the next number of minutes... Let us silently seek the Lord.
Let us continue to seek the Lord using the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That was two minutes, by the way. Two minutes is a good starting place for this practice. Uh, you'll learn as time goes on that two minutes initially seems like, oh my goodness, I cannot do this. And then you'll long for more. And I just encourage you to, you know, if it's new to you, it's probably didn't get you very far, but continue the practice and you will discover God's voice by God's Holy Spirit speaking to you, not always with words, but with a sense of God's presence and God's wisdom will flow. Um, so I offer that up, encourage you uh, to begin that practice as we study the prayers of Jesus and taking time away to seek after God. And let us continue in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for your hand upon this church, for the way that you have called us and what you're calling us to in the future. We don't even know, but we know that you are faithful, that you have plans and purposes for us, and we give you thanks for that. We pray for those among us who are struggling, for those who are grieving, for those who are recovering from surgery, for those who are anticipating surgery, and for those who just don't feel good and don't even know why. We pray for your Holy Spirit to minister to each one, to bring your peace, your strength, and your health. And we pray that during this time, as we focus on the prayers of Jesus and our need to cultivate our relationship with you, that you would speak to us and through us and strengthen us as individuals and as a church, that we might reflect you ever more faithfully and know you ever more deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.